New York Giants are 3-1 after a win today against the Chicago Bears. It was an interesting game, to say the least. The final score of 20-12 will get into everything, the injured fest uh, for the New York Giants. I swear they were playing a game of who could get injured more in a, on, like, on a single day. Um, and I think they might have broken the record for it. Uh, but we'll get into everything there. I was at the game. A super fun experience. Obviously, I'm wearing the throwback jersey. Uh, it was a throwback day. The field, the end zones, the uh, play clocks even uh, were old school themed. The Jumbotron uh, sort of setups that they had were old school themed. The the um, scoreboard as well as what's the things like behind the end zones, like the, the boards behind the end zones, I guess I can just say were also all the old school theme from the 80s and 90s. And we even got a little souvenir uh, with a little flag uh, of the throwback logo with the New York Giants on there. So it was an overall great experience, although there were ups and downs about the game itself, and that was a whole whirlwind. And even up to the last play of the day, uh, it got a little scary there, especially from a fan. I'm sure watching it might have been a little bit different because they technically were on their own side of the field, the Bears were, but they kept the play alive for a really long time. But anyway, we'll get into all of it. Welcome to another episode of the Giant Take Podcast. Alex, I mean, how do you feel, man? Still having a winning record going into another week of football. Going into week five with a winning record as a Giants fan in 2022 is, I think, a big statement. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's crazy because we, you know, maybe some Giants thought, fans thought, oh, we could start this four-game stretch two and two. Most thought, uh, you know, one and three, we weren't going to beat the Titans. Uh, We'll probably... Uh, you know, lose to the Cowboys, we'll probably lose to one of the Panthers or the Bears. I mean, a realistic prediction at this time would have been one and three or two and two. And the Giants are three and one right now uh, and really could have won that game against the Cowboys if it weren't for a few mistakes uh, and just not enough efficiency offensively and, you know, I mean, just not being able to stop the run. But, but that that's besides the point. Today was just a weird game. Um, there was only three completions to wide receivers um, we had multiple, you know, weird sets that were happening, multiple three running back sets, multiple three, uh, tight end sets, you know, Daniel Jones out wide after his injury, Tyrod Taylor coming in and then, you know, slamming heads with another player getting a concussion. I mean, it was just a nutty game. Uh, and then the muff punt by the bears, it was just like, who could, who was not going to lose the game, uh, was really, uh, the, it wasn't who was going to win. It was just who is going to not lose. Uh, and the Giants ended up not losing. Uh, I think that's the best way to put this one. But there was a ton of inactives. Uh, I guess I'll get to that now uh, before we talk about the game itself. Coming in, Cordell Flott was out. Nick McLeod, cornerback, was out. Wondell Robinson, Kadarius Tony, Leonard Williams, Austin Calitro, uh, Tyree Phillips, offensive tackle, was also at inactive. So that was a big big, you know, there was a couple of big, big misses there. The two wide receivers, Robinson and Tony Williams, obviously, and Cordell Flott uh, for cornerback depth. And then we just had a ton of injuries uh, during the game. Some players returned, some players didn't. Uh, I'll talk about a couple of them, and then I'll let Josh talk about a couple of them. But Mark Glowinski had a quick ankle injury. He returned relatively quickly. Julian Love uh, went out early in the game with a concussion. Aaron Robinson has a knee injury. Uh, he had a heavy wrap on his right knee, too, uh, in the postgame locker room. It looks like he's probably going to miss some time. That's never a good sign. Uh, we'll see. Hopefully, it's not uh, an ACL-type thing. 
uh, and it's more minor. Um, Henry Mondo, the guy elevated, defensive lineman elevated from the practice squad, ankle injury as well. He was ruled out. He actually had to get carted off. And obviously, two quarterbacks also got injured. I'll let Josh, you know, touch on that. Uh, Yeah, it was Daniel Jones first, obviously the starting quarterback for the New York Giants uh, with an ankle injury. He actually did return, although he wasn't supposed to, basically uh, coming from the man. returned, in quotation marks. (laughs) Um, The head coach, Brian Dable, uh, told Daniel Jones, you're not going back in, I see you hobbling, and uh, put in Tyrod Taylor, even though Jones was really reluctantly wanting to go back in the game. He did not get allowed into the game until Tyrod Taylor had helmet-to-helmet contact, went down, and eventually, right before he recorded, officially got ruled out, uh, or, well, got ruled out of the game and was going into concussion protocol. Now it is official, right before recording this, Sunday evening, that he does, in fact, have a concussion, which means he's going to go into concussion protocol. If you remember correctly, the Giants are going to London Next weekend, next Sunday, they're going to play the Packers. That game is going to be an early one. Um, And we'll just have to see if he ends up traveling with the team or not. I feel like it just depends on how he's feeling at the time um, before they depart. Anyway, the next guy on the list here, Kenny Galladay with a knee injury. He ended up getting ruled out of the game. Um, Evan Neal with a neck injury was ruled out. That's a big deal. Um, our first round offensive lineman who hasn't really played well so far this year. You want him to get consistent reps. He said to be, he seemed to be okay. He's going to get further testing. No details on that. No details on any of the injuries, by the way, from Brian Dable in his postgame press conference. Cause he said he hadn't spoken with the medical staff yet, but now obviously we know a couple things. We know about Aaron Robinson that he's probably out for a little bit just cause from the reporters saw in the locker room, we know about Evan Neal, uh, because that was from Art Stapleton and reported that we know about Tyrod Taylor because that officially came out from the team that he's in concussion protocol. Uh, and who else was it? Oh, well, there was a little nick with Aziz Ojolari, uh, with a calf, right, Alex? Uh, which actually kept him out of the first two games of this NFL season. It seemed like he was limping off during one play. Uh, the reporters checked on him, and he seemed to be fine. It didn't seem to be a big deal. Well, I have to wait and see because, again, that same calf injury, we assume it's the same thing, did keep him out multiple weeks. They'll take it. He'll take it easy, I'm sure. I don't know if they're going to get a rest day or it'll be a walkthrough. I assume it'll be maybe a walkthrough tomorrow because with all these injuries, you think, you think Brian Dable is going to really have like a full-on practice tomorrow? I got to assume it's no, at least yeah. – it's either a walkthrough or just a rest day completely for the guys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll stop the talking. <laughs> what I would say, I do want to, before we move on, touch on Evan Neal. Before he went out of the game, he looked the best he's looked all season. Uh, obviously, he got destroyed by Demarcus Lawrence uh, last week. Three sacks, five pressures, you know, just an awful game. But today, he looked quite solid, uh, especially in pass protection at times. I thought he looked good. Run blocking, he was good. So I thought we saw some pretty good improvement from Evan Neal. So it was disappointing to see him get out of the game. And neck injuries, as we know from last year, are always complicated. So let's see how that uh, all turns out. And Alex, I mean, you're right. I think the offensive line as a whole looked really good. Andrew Thomas especially looked very, very good. But we knew this. I'm sure by next week, Alex, I have confidence to say that he will still be ranked as PFS best offensive lineman because he allowed basically no sacks. There was only one sack in this game. It was from Eddie Jackson. And I remember the play was on. Uh, the Giants did a lot of play action today, uh, having Saquon fake right. And then Daniel Jones goes into play action, moving left, either rushing it or finding a tight end. 
if you remember Alex that play Eddie Jackson knew exactly what was coming knew Daniel Jones was going to fake the handoff to Saquon Barkley and just was waiting to sack him and that's that was the only I sack I want to say it was Jaquan uh, Brisker actually who made that sack I'm not positive but I'm like 80% if it was registered sure. well Right now, I have the stats open, and it, was, it oh, says okay. Eddie Jackson has a sack. Now, oh, okay. maybe they credited that with a tackle for loss. Maybe. Yeah, because the one he got blown up, I'm pretty sure, was Jaquan Brisker. I'm like 80% so, sure. So maybe there was a separate sack in the game that was Eddie Jackson, maybe. and then that tackle was just a TFL. Yeah, I don't know. because maybe they counted him as a runner because he was rolling out. But yeah, uh, the bootleg to like, uh, you know, just kind of faking it off. I, I'm not going to, like, I guess I'll say the tell. It's not like opponents are going to be coming to listen to this podcast. But you could tell every time Daniel Jones was going to do it because he held the ball with two hands. When he held the ball with one hand, he was handing it off. And then when he was holding it with two hands, he almost always, like 99% of the time, was doing the bootleg play action. So I don't know how they didn't catch that. I caught it, but I don't know. Maybe I was missing something. But I was pretty sure each time he did that, it was pretty obvious what was going to happen. Um, but the Bears didn't see it, so I guess, you know, not too bad there. Uh, you want to talk about Kenny Galladay again? I mean, he just did nothing today. Uh, obviously, he went out with the knee injury, but he had that... You know what? He didn't do nothing. Uh, I'm retracting that statement. He had a one really good block. I was impressed. Uh, in I believe it was a Daniel Jones run that he had. Uh, and Kenny Galladay really actually made a nice block. So respect to Kenny Galladay there. And he also got open on that deep hook route. Uh, so nice to see that, um, but didn't get a catch, unfortunately, today. Alex, credit to you. So I was looking at Google for their stats. They, some for reason, I guess, gave Eddie Jackson a sack. I'm now on ESPN, and I'm on, honestly going to say I do trust ESPN more than I trust Google stats. Yeah. ESPN gives Brisker one sack, and that was the only sack allowed. So my point still stands about the Giants only allowed one sack as a whole today, um, and the one sack you got, uh, you caught up on. We knew what the play was, um, but you caught up on the name. It was Brisker, the one sack for the Chicago Bears. But point still holds. Anyway, what are we? What were we on again? Kenny Galladay, right? Kenny Galladay. Yes. yes. You, you want to talk about Kenny Galladay? I do want to get about away Kenny from him as quickly as possible, but of course we can talk about him. So, I mean, the guy somehow doesn't end up with a single catch, but I don't think it's fully his fault. It seemed like Mike Kafka and the Giants offense went into this game. I'm just going to assume because of the windy, rainy-ish weather to not throw the ball a lot and have Saquon run it a a lot, a bunch. But yeah, I, I guess you can't. Give. I mean, it's not like they didn't throw the ball, though. They threw it to Bellinger. Had must have had, like, six or seven catches. Hudson had, must have had a couple. Like, you know, they <laughs> threw it to the tight ends quite a bit. Bellinger had three catches for 23 yards. Tanner okay. Hudson had one catch for 18 yards. All right, all right. It felt like they were throwing it. Well, it's still more than three wide receiver catches, I guess you can say, right? I mean, if you look at the stats yeah. of the wide receivers, they were just, like, not used, like, at all. There was one to Slayton. There was one to... um. Uh, what's David Rich- Sills. David Sills, one to Richie James. Those are yep. the three guys who got the passes. So it's kind of like, you know, at least you got you know more uh, catches from the tight ends than you did from uh, the wide receivers. You might have even had more catches from the running backs, even though I don't believe so. Uh, d- d- Saquon Barkley did have two catches for 16 yards. So yeah, yeah so a slightly less, but very close, obviously. And that was Darius Layton's first catch of the season coming here in week yeah. four. So big deal for him. But he Player also to watch. I told you. By the way, 
out of any giant, I believe he had the biggest gain in terms of a catch. His was 11 yards. So he was the Giants' leading receiver as a wide receiver. So player of the game, players to watch. I knew. I'm just a genius. Well, let's continue with Darius Slayton because he did cause a 40-yard DPI call, defensive pass interference. Good there. there. See? He the three seconds after the defensive pass interference, he didn't even have an opportunity to catch the ball and run it into the end zone, dropped it in his hands. The ball was underthrown by Daniel Jones, let's be honest there, because we know Daniel Jones, for some reason, the statistics are that he's one of the best uh, deep ball throwers in the league. That ball was underthrown by Jones. But I mean, a little bit. He could have caught it. Still was in the hands of Darius Slayton, um, and he wasn't able to, to bring that in. Although, when Jones was on the field, let's go to Daniel Jones, Alex. When Daniel Jones was on the field, he was doing like he did against the Cowboys. I feel like he was keeping this team alive, scrambling especially. They, I guess, designed for that to happen today. He had six carries for 68 yards, which is about 11 yards per carry. With the two touchdowns, one of them where both of them really, when he had wide open amounts of space, Throwing the ball, he was 8 for 13 with 71 yards. Um, Daniel Jones, man, he... I wouldn't say, like, again, now we're four weeks into the season, Alex. I still wouldn't say that next year he's earned a spot on this team, but that doesn't take away that he's fighting for this team right now. You can clearly tell he's using all of his ability that he possibly has and obviously the playbook that he's been given to what he can do. Um, and that is trying to fight the best he can for his team. And obviously that shows he wants to fight because he wanted to go out there injured, wanted to fight through the pain and help his team out. And Brian Dable, the head coach of the Giants, did not let him do that. To be honest, I don't think anyone is doubting his dedication or his passion or his drive to get better, to help the team. I don't think that's the issue with Daniel Jones. I think there's certain things, um, you know, there's certain limitations to every quarterback and I think Daniel Jones has his limitations uh, whether it is his reads um, you know when in the pocket whether it is uh, you know his ability to stay on the field you know some of those things he just can't control it's just who he is uh, and you know some sort of injury history as well right so some of the issues that Giants fans have with him you know it doesn't mean that he's not there working hard every day it's just you know certain things uh, just don't always come to fruition um, and I think that's really the end end of the story for him. But certainly, you can't deny his effort. Um, I guess let's talk a little bit about the Tyrod Taylor situation. Um, I mean, he had he comes in obviously right after Daniel Jones gets injured. He, you know, a few plays later, he first throws that pick, not that big of a deal, uh, deep shot to Darius Slayton again. But he then makes a run. It's third down. He's trying to get the first down. And he runs, and he doesn't slide, because if he slides, he's not getting the first down. So he runs, two players are there, he clashes helmets. It is a no-call, I don't think it should have, he's a runner at that point. He's not, he doesn't get the quarterback protection, he's not sliding. Wait, do you disagree with me? Yes, I completely disagree with you. It doesn't matter. Um, In this modern day NFL, like, that... He's a runner, though. Alex, the whole point is to protect the quarterbacks. That, like, that whole thing, he is a runner type type of deal. He is, though. I totally disagree. No. Because he doesn't have the same protection. If he wanted the protection, he should have slid. Roger Goodell's NFL is protect the quarterbacks. That's like the whole thing now. So it doesn't matter whether he's a runner or he's a quarterback and he's sliding. They still do helmet-to-helmet contact. And I'm not saying like, this is not my point of view. This is like what the NFL is doing, right? If it was my, if I own the league, if I was the, if I was the, uh, the, 
oh my god, I was going to say the owner of the NFL, the commissioner of the NFL, then yeah, fine, that's not like a a um, helmet-to-helmet call, but it was helmet-to-helmet, first of all, and from what I keep on hearing all these people preaching in like the NFL system is we're protecting the quarterbacks. Now, that's not what happened, because they didn't protect the quarterback, and they didn't call anything, and now Tyrod Taylor has a concussion, so I don't know, I, whatever. Not whatever, but I... I we will agree to disagree. I guess. Yeah, I I don't know. It's it's definitely a complicated situation. You see it called. You see weaker. I mean, it's just the refereeing's not consistent in the league, and that's the big problem. Um, and you know, some of the rules are, you know, I guess punished more harshly than others and enforced more uh, often. And some of them just are more based on you know how different people see it on perspective. So that's certainly one of the calls that's like that. Now, to this point, he came in for the injured Daniel Jones. So Saquon Barkley's on the sideline like, oh, wait, I'm the next guy up. Because Davis Webb is on the practice squad and did not get called up for this game. So Daniel Jones has to go back on the field, come back with an injury, right? And the Giants go in wildcat formation with Saquon Barkley taking a shotgun snap and Matt Breida to his right and Daniel Jones to the left in uh, on the outside. Daniel Jones there literally for one reason and one reason only, to tell the team what the play is. Because he's the only one that has Mike Kafka in his ear telling him the play. So he just goes in the huddle, tells the play, runs to the outside. That was three consecutive plays, or at least three, uh, four with that wildcat position. One of, I mean, two of them were were pretty good. One of them ended in a Matt Breida, first down. Another one was a Saquon Barkley, like pretty good rush. And then the third one was just the same. They handed it off to Matt Breida. It was the same exact play when he got the first down. Because how many Wildcats play, you know, Wildcat plays can you call? Um, but it was just a wild, a wild sequence. This game was pretty wild just in general with everything that happened in it. And yeah, that I mean, that that's it, Alex. I wrapped up the Tyrod Taylor deal. I just wanted to kind of like close that out. What happened once Tyrod Taylor left? Yeah, I mean, the it was certainly just a crazy sequence. Um, it was kind of like, oh my God, what is going on? Um, but, you know, it worked out at the end, right? Yeah, we got the W. You could see Saquon Barkley was like riling people up on the sidelines saying like, yeah, we got this, like no big deal. Um, but it certainly, uh, I guess, was a big deal because it's hard to play without a functioning quarterback. Um, but we were able to get it done. Um, Brian Dable after the game about Daniel Jones, uh, he said as he was when he saw Daniel Jones hobbling, he said, you're not going in the game. I see you limping. Uh, they wanted to protect Jones, who pleaded to stay in the game, not surprisingly. Um, and Dable asked Jones if he could go back in if needed and, of course, was told yes. Not long after, Taylor got hurt. So Jones had to come back in, basically what Josh said. But this is from Dable, uh, Jordan Ronan, with that report uh, from Dable. It seemed like it was kind of um, in terms of the the running back. I thought it was confusing at the end uh, at on that third and five where they handed it off to Gary Brightwell. I was like, you know, you're doing the uh, what's it called when you have like the uh, the wildcat, wildcat, right? Yeah, and yeah. you have the wildcat. It was working pretty well, and then you bring Jones in to hand off the ball. I was kind of confused why they did that. Um, and then handed it off to Gary Brightwell, of all people, our third string running back. I thought that was a little bit interesting. Of course, he comes up with a huge play, uh, you know, a few minutes later, which we'll talk about in a second. But it was it just felt weird uh, how they kind of adjusted to that. Of course, it's a crazy situation. So, you know, it's hard. It's hard to, like, kind of think straight about all that thing, uh, all that stuff. But I thought it was a little bit weird how 
uh, they kind of went back to Daniel Jones in the gun or behind, uh, you know, under center uh, when the Wildcat was working so well uh, once, you know, uh, Taylor went out and Jones came back in. Alex, we've been talking for a while now, and we still haven't mentioned the player of the game. And I think we need to do that, like, now, because we've been talking about the offense for a little bit, and we have to talk about Saquon Barkley. The man with 31 carries, 146 yards, uh, about 5 yards per carry. Uh, I want to see, did I include the tweet in our outline? Saquon Barkley was, like, in this game for 90-something percent of snaps. Oh, yeah. Yes, I do have it. Jordan Ronan. Uh, Saquon Barkley played 57 of 61 offensive stats, which is 93.4%. Ran for 146 yards and 31 carries. Caught a pair of passes for 16 yards. He is the Giants' offense. And Brian Dable said, quote, he's one of our better players. You can use him a bunch. <laughs> Saquon Barkley, I mean, yes, he was the Giants' offense because he lined up as a quarterback and also ran the ball and was pretty consistent today. And with the wind, with the rain, I don't, I mean... There were maybe a couple deep balls. There was the one from Tyrod Taylor that got intercepted. And there was the one to Darius Slayton that was a DPI call. Besides that, there wasn't many explosive plays. It was the two Daniel Jones touchdowns, runs. And it was Saquon Barkley getting first down after first down after five-yard gain. Um, he Yeah, he is the Giants offense. Um, I assume after this game, he will probably still lead the NFL in scrimmage yards and unless the other people on the leaderboard had better games than he did, which I don't think they did. So... I think we're going to probably go into week five and once again say Saquon Barkley leads the NFL in scrimmage yards. But, I mean, words are slipping my mouth, Alex. This guy, he is proving what he wants to prove, and that is Proving everyone wrong. Yeah, people (laughs) doubted me. They think because of all these injuries, I can't go out there and do my thing, and he's doing exactly that. So, we have now mentioned Saquon Barkley. I mean, you got to look on the defensive side of the ball, too. So Fabian Moreau, defensive back, who I was still going to start talking about a little bit earlier, uh, he stepped up. He made a couple of big pass breakups in the game. Uh, Dexter Lawrence was absolutely outstanding. Two sacks, a tackle for loss, three QB hits. Felt like he was always in the backfield. Um, you know, it was. I, ta- I talked about that metric, that stat, what that put him with Chris Jones and Jeffrey Simmons and those guys uh, in our preview episode. And of course, uh, you know, we saw his impact on the game, and we're talking about that now. So, the, you know, the stats uh, that we talked about pregame translated to the game. Always something you like to see makes us happy. Uh, as you know, we're recording, seeing things that we actually talked about in the preview pan out in the uh, in the you know recap episode. Tay Crowder had a good game as well. He got a sack off the blitz. He had 10 tackles. Um, you know, Thibodeau, obviously the player everyone's watching, wasn't given the full amount of snaps um, still, um, but, you know, he still played a you know pretty important role throughout the game. Definitely got a few. Uh, he had a tip pass um, that was then called roughing the passer, which was kind of silly. Um, and then he had a you know a few chase downs that forced Justin Fields out of the pocket. Certainly was a decent force in the run game as well. So had a decent game, but... Still probably, if I were to guess, only played 60 or 70% of the snaps. Yeah, I'm trying to wait for Dan Duggan. That's who we normally get, who posts the like uh, percentage yeah. of snaps. I'm sure we can find it like somewhere else, but that's just our resource uh, on Twitter. Dan Duggan <laughs> normally puts it out, uh, the percent of snaps for each player. But Alex, We're not going to count each snap and then look. It's too much. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, I mean, that's what I'm talking about, though. When I'm talking about this is uh, protecting the quarterback league, the roughing the passer calls we get these days are absolutely yeah. terrible calls. I mean, they're taps of the quarterback. It was a little tiny shove after the play because Kayvon Thibodeau ran into um, 
Justin Fields. Like, where else is he going to go? Yeah. Like, kind of shoves into him. Justin Fields kind of, like, you know, falls back as you do. Momentum, right? Falls mm-hmm. onto the ground. Yeah. Roughing the passer. Like, yeah, what? Crazy. That's what I'm saying. But then when it's helmet to helmet, I mean, the man got a freaking concussion, Tyrod Taylor did. No call. Yeah. He's a runner. I mean, that's your explanation for it. I yeah. don't know. I, I, I don't agree with it. And I not... do think there's a difference between being in the pocket and not being in the pocket. Okay. But I, I do, yeah, I, I, I half agree with you. All right. Um, what else we got here? Yeah, and then I just would say, like, closing it out, Jamie Gillen. The guy has been, you know, Scottish Alex, Hammer. When we brought him in this summer, uh, the Giants. Are you going to throw me under the bus for this? <laughs> I'm not going to throw you under the bus. You shouldn't have said anything now, by the way, because now that, that does, I mean, you did that to yourself. When uh, the summer, when the Giants brought him in, um, everyone was kind of doubting his ability. They were showing his statistics, his punts per attempt or, or punt yards per attempt, whatever it was. And his stats, yes, it didn't show that he was super good. So far this season, he's been pretty consistent, like nothing bad. Yeah. And then the absolute boom of a kick. If that kick wasn't even muffed, it just landed and went out of bounds, it still would have been great. It was like a, I want to say 60-yard punt. It was on like the yeah. opposite 40-yard line from and he was in, in his, his end own zone. end zone. Yes, yeah. I know. Uh, but anyway, the Giants get extremely lucky. Uh, there was nothing they could do. They had to hand it off all three times. Jones was not about to throw it. He was injured. Plus, it's kind of risky to throw the ball, uh, you know, especially that far back in your like own 10-yard line, 5-yard line. So Jamie Gillen comes out, punts it super far, and it ends up becoming a muff punt, which happened to the Giants earlier in the game with Richie James. So kind of a little um, yeah. what, what goes around comes around. Uh, and that <laughs> at, you know ends up leading to the Giants uh, winning this game. However, there was the final play of insanity that lasted just about a minute, and I'm standing there ready to walk out, you know, because, like, we got to get to the parking lot. Now, the stadium parking lot is crazy after the game because you can't get out. You're sitting in traffic. So, you know, we kind of want to go, but I was like, just, just wait until the clock hits zero. Let me take it in for a moment. The Giants are about <laughs> to be three and one. And then my heart kept on sinking repeatedly. I thought it was going to happen. I thought they were going to get it somehow. Alex, Miami was Miracle was on my mind. Like, well, because I... Th- okay, first of all, my I'm going to talk about my embarrassment for a second. I thought Graham Gano hit that field goal. I started clapping. That's This is an embarrassing moment. So the kick goes up, and I was like, oh, he got it. And then I just see the officials behind, obviously, the, um, the posts, you know wave their hands to the left and right, signaling basically no good. And I was like, huh? And then, so they have 20 seconds left on the clock. And yeah, that final play was like absolutely insane. They ended up not getting it. And then even so, three players dropped to the ground, obviously in exhaustion, but you probably saw it on the TV. Like one of the players like just fall to the ground, like lying down as a joke. I thought three more players were injured on our defense. And I, then I got nervous, but then everyone were in on the field. And I was like, okay, we're fine. Let's go. We can leave now. Um, but yes, uh, satisfying feeling. The Giants are three and one, and they're gonna go to London yes, to play another winnable game. Might I add against the Green Bay Packers? Yes, the Packers have Aaron Rodgers. They have no top tier wide receivers. Their wide receiving core, I can say, is honestly probably just as bad as the Giants right now. Have you seen Aaron Jones though? What he was doing a few minutes before we recorded, he was running all over that Patriots defense. So certainly, you know, they don't have a lot in the receiving department, but running back that one-two punch with Dylan, you know, I think I think they could certainly be formidable, and they have a solid defense as well. So especially with no Daniel Jones and possibly no Tyrod Taylor, you know, definitely, you know, 
it's winnable, but I don't think it's a, it's a given. <laughs> well, Alex, guess what? We have a pretty good freaking defense on our side, and we have That's the true. man, Saquon Barkley. So That's true. I wouldn't That's say... True. Don't I mean, count us out. Check me, check me back out on Friday in our preview. Uh, but right now, I'm going to say I'm not super worried for that game. Let's see how it goes throughout the week and the practices and the injuries and how the injury reports go. But, Alex, it's going to be two a two-page uh, PDF of all the injury reports at practices with all these guys now from this game. Um, think about oh, that man. inactive list going into this game plus the guys who uh, got injured in this game. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be a lot of people, uh, a lot of names a read. A lot, a lot of people. A lot yeah. of names read uh, in our preview episode. But anyway... You got anything else before we start kind of getting this up, this uh, episode wrapped up? Great win, super happy, good you know good way to start my week. Uh, you know it's definitely t- it's it's tough to go after a Giants loss, but um, you know these wins have really honestly like I just feel better. You know it just feels so much better to you know, to you know start your week with a Giants win. Uh, it's you know a lot of people don't understand, but man, does it feel so different on a Monday morning. Uh, it doesn't feel like such a pain anymore. <laughs> yeah, because Mondays suck. Like they Mondays do. suck, but, but they don't suck after a, Gi- a Giants win as much. To be yeah, honest. that like that's what I'm saying. Like having like the Giants win, it, it does make the starting week. Like there's that little bright side. Like my team won again this week. They're three and one. They have a winning record, and they're tied for the second best. Uh, they're the second best team tied for it in the NFC East. Obviously, the Cowboys have that upper edge with uh, the half a game. They won today, right? So they are also yeah. three and one. Eagles also won. They were down well, like yeah, twenty but, to three or twenty to I don't know, and it was like oh, they're still they undefeated. Back. But anyway, um, let's talk about a few things you could do to help out this podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, we appreciate it. You can hit that subscribe button, drop a like on the video. If you're listening to this episode, hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening out podcast, Spotify, to find more places to listen. Go to shippingstudios.com slash the giant take. Social medias, uh, that's going to be in the podcast notes and description, but I'll shout them out right now. The Giant Take Pod on Twitter and TikTok. The Giant Take Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Alex, he's on Twitter at anorian23. I'm on Twitter at Joshua29, and we got you. We have all the content for you uh, on those social media channels, so please go and check that out. Rate five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Alex, take it over. I'm so excited right now. Giants are three and one. Thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode, and we'll see you all next time previewing our trip to London. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.